0: The Fitness Hacks Podcast, Episode 34. Today, we're joined by Justin Levine. Welcome to the Fitness Hacks Podcast by Redefining Strength, breaking down fitness and the fitness business with some of the best names in the industry. And here are your hosts, Corey Lefkowitz and Ryan Heenan.
1: If you want to be the most productive person, you have to look at your total self, not just your work self or your exercise self.
2: Fitness isn't just about creating physical changes, it's also about mental changes. So often we put limits on ourselves and we tell ourselves we can't achieve something, but when we really change the way we think about things and we don't limit ourselves, we can go so much further.
0: And Justin is a prime example of someone who doesn't set limits on himself and pushes through and causes growth, not only for himself, but also everyone that he touches and inspires.
2: So let's jump right into it with Justin and learn about Creating the Habit of Believing in Yourself.
0: Today, we're joined by Justin Levine. Justin, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us about your background and your fitness journey and what led to your passion for fitness?
1: Hey, thanks, you guys. Uh, first of all, just uh, thankful to you guys to uh, give me the opportunity. Um, I'm always humbled to, uh, to be asked to, to be on a podcast or to go out and speak. Um, it it makes, makes my day because I'm very passionate about what I do. I'm passionate about life. Um, fitness is the vehicle uh, that I chose to help people love life and live life at a higher level. Um, I've been in uh, the fitness world for quite some time now, started uh, back in high school when I just started getting, getting into the gym and lifting some weights and trying to see if I can put on some muscle on my small little frame and uh, I just uh, started loving being in the gym and uh, started helping people out randomly in college. Um, Went through uh, a human performance degree at New Mexico Highlands University in the great city of Las Vegas, New Mexico. Not the real Vegas, but (laughs) it it still did its job and uh, was lucky to also um, get a full ride scholarship to to place kick. I was on the football team and kicked the ball through the uprights as best as I could. And I'm on track also to get the degree and, and finish college in four years. Um, from there uh, got lucky I think it's a sometimes uh, you just get lucky and um, Notre Dame I, I applied for an internship at Notre Dame in fitness and uh, they called me back did a phone interview and I got a, a one-year internship job at Notre Dame running their big uh, rec center there in South Bend Indiana so I moved moved to Indiana from California and and uh, worked there for a year. A lot of great experience. Met some cool people, and that's really where I started diving into diving into the fitness world of actually designing programs and guiding people. And you know, I honestly back then it was just, hey, here's what I've done to help myself out, and we're gonna put together a program for you and do the best I can. I mean, I didn't know who Mike Boyle was then, or Mark Verstegan, or Great Cook, or any of these big dogs, I just was kind of flying by the seat of my pants. And, uh, but I loved doing what I was doing and people were coming back to me saying, Oh man, this is great. I'm feeling great. I'm getting the result that I'm looking for. And so that's, that just kind of sparked, uh, the profession for me of being actually in the industry and, um, took up my first personal training job outside of that internship. I was at a more of a big box gym in Los Angeles. I moved back home. Uh, and then I made my way back into my hometown of Iselia, where uh, was um, fortunate enough to to meet some cool people, and uh, had a private investor who helped me get my feet underneath me and start my 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 location. That now we're in our eleventh year of business, and it's California Fitness Academy. We have a uh, 250 members, nine C, uh, CFA coaches that we all follow you know we all follow the the system and and it's just such an awesome awesome environment so in a nutshell there it is the last uh, 15 20 years <laughs>
2: I love that you learned by doing and you experiment experimented with what worked for you and then use that on your clients to get them results. Because I think so often trainers think, you know, we have to go by these very, you know, structured things and we can't experiment and use what we've learned on ourselves. And it sounds like you developed a system, which you now use at your facility. Could you tell us a little bit more about that system?
1: Yeah. And I honestly, I appreciate you even bringing that up because, uh, Lately, I've been kind of coaching based more on experience than the book stuff that I've read. Now, don't get me wrong. That's a, that's a big element of the way we utilize our system and that we train the human body. Absolutely. But, um, I've been in the tra- trenches myself training. Um, I've done everything from bodybuilding to Ironman triathlon and everything in between. And so I've tested myself and been the guinea pig through many different types of programs and. So I know what it's like. It's real world. It's grueling at times. It's not easy, you know, doing track repeats over, you know, at the track or muscling through a, a, a bodybuilding routine. I know those things aren't easy. So I'm just trying to put a real world uh, spin on things more so than, hey, here's one size fits all type thing. And so so the system at CFA, um it, it, it runs parallel with a lot of like the Mike Boyle philosophy and. He's been a, he's been a mentor of mine for the last uh, 12 years when I kind of came and connected with him. And it was when it was michaelboyle.biz was the website back in the day. That's I want to say, <laughs> yeah, man, I, I, I keep thinking I'm still young, but I'm, I'm slowly reaching that, that age where uh, I'm, my high school music is on classic rock now. So I'm starting <laughs> to figure that all out. But, um, no, that's when, you know, I just started putting together a system, you know, we. We take everybody through some tissue work in the beginning based on their individual needs and limitations. Then um, our dynamic warm up is the most important part of our workout. And we kind of uh, we, we, we build that based on what the workout is going to entail, like the main sets. So um, if the workout is going to be more metabolically demanding, then our, our warm up is going to be a little higher intensity. Uh, we need the heart rate uh, getting too close uh of the level that they're gonna be at in their main set. If the if the main workout set is going to be more strength based, then our warm-up is going to be mobility drills for those strength exercises and then also body weight type strength training to warm up for uh the strength training we're gonna be doing ahead in the workout. So the warm-up to us is the most important part. Uh, then we go through uh you know just a little bit of a core section where anything from farmer walks to kneeling chops and lifts to core press outs, pal-off presses to planks, side planks, hip lifts. And we, um, we, we value getting the core you know, activated and ready to go for the work ahead. Um, and then we go to the main set usually in our normal, like we have our normal bread and butter strength and conditioning workout where, Um, following core we go right into some power and explosive work and that's for every client Uh, we have on monday mornings i train a fellow named bob and he's 85 years old and he has power in there we throw the medicine ball down and he does some very light jumping drills and all the way to professional athletes we've trained in there they're doing you know the olympic lifts uh very technically sound and making sure they're moving fast so the power element is implemented, and then we go into some functional strength training. You know, for the most part, our general fitness is doing, you know, a a couple pushes, a couple pulls, upper body, and then uh, a knee dominant and a hip dominant for the lower body. Um, And then, of course, in our smaller group and private training, we're going to individualize that based on the person. So if someone's coming in and more of a kyphotic spine state, Well, they're going to probably do a two to one ratio of pulling to pushing uh, in in for their program. So um, we're trying to modify and adjust the system for the person that walks in. It's not it's not a one size fits all. Even in our large group setting, there's regressions, there's progressions, there's adjustments Um, instead of running for some people who who maybe can't handle high impact. They're going to be on the bike. So uh, we do our best to make that happen. It's not a perfect environment by any means, but we do strive for uh, a successful and safe environment.
2: Ryan's kind of laughing at me right now because I'm I'm geeking out. And I'm smiling and I'm just so excited with all that you just said. And I want to go back and sort of review a couple points. Um a, I love that you talk about how your warm-up is based on what you're doing for your workout. Because I think so often people just think I'm gonna warm up by going on the treadmill and I'm just gonna walk, and they don't think about the movements or what their workout's gonna require. So I think that's such a great point that you made. And then going on to the power work and your eighty-four-year-old Bob it was, uh we talked to Dan Ritchie and he talked about how fitness isn't about age. It's about ability. And I think that's such an important part that, you know, power can mean so many different things at so many different ages, but it's establishing that mind body connection for those explosive movements so that we move better and feel better in everyday life. And then on top of that. I just want to say how I love the fact that you're doing the pulling, more pulling, especially if people are, you know, sitting in forward flexion. They have that rounded posture instead of just the pushing. So you're addressing all the different lifestyle things out there. So I think your system's pretty good.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. And uh it's it's definitely been a process because now uh I would say 75% of our weekly sessions are trained by our coaches, not myself. So I'm still training you know, 15 hours a week, but there's quite a few people that are running through the door in there. And, um, now my job has turned into, uh, you know, I'm still the practitioner. I love being in the gym and I will never, ever leave the gym, uh, because that's where my passion is. But I also have to run a business. I have a family, uh, I'm pursuing some other professional goals. So, um, building the system to, to, it's really just echoing the passion and the energy to my coaches. That's what I'm trying to do more so than telling them this is how it's done. It's just, you know, showing them the enthusiasm by my just example. That's how I wake up each day and I'm ready to kind of take on each day. So I hope they model off that and they do a phenomenal job at, at then directing and managing those sessions. Um, you know, with, with, my older clientele, I mean, it's also a brain thing, right? So when you're having them throw a medicine ball down and then I kind of grab it for them and toss it back to them, what that's doing to their brain connection and their mental health is phenomenal too. And so, yeah, you know, we look at fitness and and exercise more than just fitness and exercise. It's kind of the Bruce Lee approach where this is a, you know, this is an inner intrinsic type, Uh, motivation. Also, it's not just, hey, let's just lose weight on a scale. Let's do this for uh, hopefully the rest of your life and be consistent. And whether you're 13 or you're 85.
0: Justin, you mentioned implementing a system in order to keep things flowing when you have 250 clients and nine trainers in there. Did you run into any hardships when you first were implementing those systems that you were able to learn from and improve upon?
1: Yeah, it's always a work in progress. I mean, um, weekly, I mean, really even daily, I'm, I'm looking at our system. I'm looking at our numbers. I'm looking at how our coaches are interacting with each other during a busy time when there's 50 people in the gym and four different coaches. Uh, So it's, it's logistically making all of that work. It's sounds easy on paper, but when you all of a sudden have, you know, four different workouts with 35, 50 different people in there, um, there can be challenges, uh, every time i mean we meet as a staff once a week and we go over these things and we talk session management logistics hey um how can you rearrange a workout because maybe another coach with another group is utilizing more of the dumbbells or more of the medicine balls so you're going to have to adjust and be intuitive on the spot i like to think of fitness coaching as you're an artist and um you're kind of walking in with You do have a sketch already ready to go because we have a workout uh, program design manager who writes up all of our programs. So they do have kind of like this sketch on a canvas. But then then it's their job to add the color and to add the details and to erase at times and, you know, just really make it that masterpiece. And so um, our our meetings are, are full of just little tidbits about how to manage a session.
2: I always tell my clients who maybe have, you know, injuries that I have to modify for that they keep things interesting. And it it really sounds like you guys have that approach where you modify as needed. You tailor the workouts to fit the space, to fit what other coaches are doing. And I think it really makes training interesting and fun, doesn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely. And um, I've been using that word intuition. That's That's my number one thing I like to teach the athletes and the clients that I train. And then also the coaches that are in our facility is that word being intuitive and being very um, uh, present with the people that they are training, because then that gives you the, yeah, that gives you that excitement. And I don't know if it's a word, but that funness in a training environment, you know, and it, it, every day is different. I, I could follow a same program for 12 weeks. I've never had the same exact workout, you know, something always changes or. My mood or my feeling is a little bit different, so there's always something a little bit different to uh to tackle so i that's that's the beautiful thing about our profession
0: so you've touched on so many different things that you've done and also so many things you plan to do in the future but let's talk a little bit about your three hundred mile run and writing the book limitless. That must have been a pretty crazy experience.
1: Crazy is probably the right word for it. I kind of sometimes use insane uh but um yeah you know what there was a light bulb hit me when I'm, i was running one day and just a light bulb hit me and i just started i was just getting frustrated with people putting limitations on themselves and then i kind of dove into that a little deeper and i was asking why are they doing this and for a big population a big majority it was self-induced it wasn't like somebody else was doing it to them or somebody else said they couldn't it was their own self imposing thoughts and so i started just diving into this myself um i think to a point everybody kind of has their limitations but not everyone can believe that they can bust through those limitations and so i said you know i've i've definitely been a experienced triathlete um you know i uh, uh, completed an ironman i've done over 110 endurance events, everything from 5Ks to you know Ironmans and everything in between. And, but I wasn't an ultra distance runner. I never dabbled into the ultra distance world and I never really wanted to. <laughs> and so then I said, well, if I want to really prove this message and show people that anything is possible, you just have to be willing to, to do the work, surround yourself with the right people and have this deep inner belief about yourself. Well, I got to put myself through a very ambitious, um, daunting and extreme ultra event. And so I chose uh, running from my hometown to Santa Monica, California, and literally from the country, the country town of Visalia. We went uh, from Visalia to Porterville, to Bakersfield, to to Tehachapi, to the Angeles Forest. Then we got into uh, Glendale. And then from Glendale, we had a uh, a little glitch in our route and things weren't going well. So kind of what I wrote about in the book is you're going to reach obstacles and you're going to have to adjust on the spot. And so we moved our route and we went to Camarillo, California and ran down Highway 1 uh, and all the way into Santa Monica. And it was just, um, you know, as I sit and talk about it today. Uh, it's humbling to talk about it. It wasn't about me trying to prove that I can run three hundred miles. Uh, the whole mission was to show people and prove the message that um, you're gonna you're gonna reach your limits. You're gonna reach physical and mental and even spiritual limits. And that big question is gonna is gonna come inside of you saying, "Now what? Are you gonna keep going, or are you gonna kind of lay down and fall trapped to those limitations?" And each time I started reaching my limitations the only thing that I knew what to do was positive action. So that was me taking a step forward and not quitting and, you know, keeping track on, on what I had, uh, you know, set as my goal and I held myself accountable. So, um, it was just, uh, a, a, a life changing four and a half days of doing this. Um, you know, uh, the, the power of the human spirit was alive and well, there was other people that, came and ran with me and broke major limitations with themselves and ran crazy distances with me. Um, and we finished the thing and people always ask me, well, what's next? And I'm like, well, I'm living it <laughs> because, you know, running parallels, we just had a new baby, which is awesome, but there's challenges with the newborn. And so um, you're living that life. and And the idea is when you reach those limitations, what are you going to do? And my answer is always, always act on positive action. Never let, even if you have negative thoughts, that's okay. Just create positive action and that will negate those negative thoughts. And so um, that was a big mission of mine. Uh, writing the book was long and arduous. It was about a two-year process. I uh, was very happy to complete it though now and, and now spreading spread in the message.
2: When you're talking to your clients, you know, about believing, about pushing through, about taking that positive action... What do you tell them? because you obviously live this yourself, but it's sometimes hard getting someone else to believe it, especially you know when clients have tried other things that haven't worked. and I think often trainers sort of encounter clients that are resistant to change, and rightfully so, because they've they've experienced a lot of things that haven't worked for them. How do you get that mental mental change to happen?
1: Oh man. Um, it's It's committing, you know, that word commitment is big. It's it's understanding that it's a process, you know, to believe in yourself. It's not it, you don't just wake. Even I have days still where I wake up and there's maybe like a discouragement feeling or a negative thought. But then that's where okay, positive action. Go do the workout. Go read the good book. Surround yourself with the positive person. Um, read the listen to the good podcast. You know whatever it is to get yourself kind of out of that state of mind. So then you can create a habit of believing in yourself i really feel that when people have this disbelief in themselves they've created a habit of really listening to negative thinking and listening to these self-imposing thoughts and then they just literally think they can't do something because they've created these these negative rituals against themselves so we have to kind of flip that switch and then start building this lifestyle, so it's not a quick fix. Of saying, okay, well, here's some things to do. You definitely have to, you know, wake up and have a morning routine. Um, exercise to me is very important to have positive thinking and, you know, have you know mental conditioning, nutrition, what you're feeding yourself. It doesn't have to be perfect by any means, but the majority of your food should be nutrient dense because that's going to make you feel better and. And digestively, you're going to be working correctly. So then, you're not just always feeling, you know, um, um, yuck and bad, and and uh, and so it, it's a process, right? It's just there, there's nothing specific, really. It's just taking each situation and then going from there. But trying to motivate somebody beyond just foo foo motivation, and then giving them practical things daily that they can work on. Um, you know, journaling is another is another practical. Uh, strategy to implement in your life just to get your thoughts on paper so then you don't ha- walk around with monkey brain all the time and you're just like, what's going on? You can write it down and be self-aware of of really what's going on.
2: I think that's great that it's about actionable steps and not just the free frou motivation, as you said, because... If we give ourselves things that we can do daily, it helps ingrain sort of that positive attitude. I tell my clients constantly, you know, like the language we speak to ourselves with, you know, even saying, Oh, I can't do this. Even if you're not like down about it, that saying, I can't really does resonate with you. And somewhere that sticks in your head, like, Hey, I can't do this versus if you say, I can, even if you don't a hundred percent believe it at the beginning, if you start doing things towards it, it will become your reality.
1: Right. And there, there's a, there's a humanistic, like we're humans and. Um, nobody, nobody is just like walks around and skips around the house. And this, you know, is perfectly positive all the time. Right. It's, but, but the people that we do see and, and really model after, like we see them being positive and encouraging. Well, they've created habits. They've, they've done the action and, and they continue to do it and they've probably done it for at least a decade and even probably even more of these rituals and these, habits that they've, that they've implemented into their life. So um, yeah, it's just continuing to, you know, kind of it's the little elbow in the gut for people. I and mean, we all need that and um, encouraging them to, to really think about their thoughts and then their actions f- from there.
0: I think that's fantastic advice. And I think a lot of that comes back to when you mentioned a routine and developing a routine. And that ties into finding balance or the act of balancing. I'd imagine with everything you have going on and a newborn in the works, it's a challenge to find the balance. So that routine helps. Can you take us through what a typical day looks like for you with so much that you have going on?
1: Sure. Um, Well, let me, let me go for today just to put some real world sense uh, for people is that um, Wednesday night, I, I I I just started doing this. I give my wife my wife off of waking up every couple hours with the baby, so I do that on Wednesday night, and then Thursday I turn into to Mister Mom, you know, like the old 1983 uh, Mister Mom movie, right? I'm I'm running around the house feeding the kid. I have the kid in one hand, I have my two year old in the other. She's getting into the lipstick, um, and I'm also trying to do the load of laundry. So that was uh, the first half of today. <laughs> sounds, sounds um,
0: productive. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're right. And so it's funny, you know, all of my organization, it it does come into play, but yet if you're not flexible, um you can get very uh, overwhelmed at any you know, very fast. Um what I've what I've implemented, I think what I'm going to go with this is what I've implemented in my life is I've really started taking uh, you know, meditation as a as a daily ritual. And and this is not like some, you know, holistic you know, where I sit and, you know, Indian style, do something, you know, crazy and esoteric or anything like that. It's just sitting and breathing and trying to be in the moment and 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 sitting and being in the present and and um, allowing the thoughts to come and go. But I'm not going to react on any of those thoughts at that moment. And that gives me, um, you know, it gives me kind of this non-responsive uh, philosophy with anything. So I've definitely implemented that in my life, 10, 15 minutes a day. Um, you know, three days a week I'm up at four oh five in the morning. Uh I'm at the gym at four fifty-five in the morning. Um I always start with, you know, ten minutes of just some positive book or a couple excerpts of uh of some positive quotes to get my mind right. Uh I'm checking emails in the morning and then I have early morning clients starting at five forty-five. Um I get home around eight o'clock to do some family stuff. And if I need to take my five-year-old daughter to school, then I do that. Um, I And then I have about a two-hour period where it's personal time. I do my meditation. I do some stretching. I recently took up piano, so I'm practicing playing the piano. And all of those things just get me away from the business and get me away from the fitness side of things. And it, it's been unbelievable in terms of, uh, creating some clarity. And then I train usually right after that, I go back to the gym or I'm doing some type of running workout outside. And then I train and then it's at, at the gym the rest of the afternoon. So, you know, Mondays we have a team meeting at one and then uh, then I'm doing business stuff for a couple hours, social media, marketing, Facebook posts, um, just going through uh, all of my my to do things and, and really knocking them all out. And then uh, training a couple hours in the evening at night, and you know getting home around six forty-five, seven o'clock to be with the family uh, the rest of the evening. So um, long days, but you know what? I love what I get to do. I'm uh, like I said, I, I love life. I'm passionate about life. I just love being in the gym, and so um, my stress is there. But I I do implement things to kind of balance out some of that overwhelming and stressful feeling.
2: So, you mentioned you read quotes or, you know, sort of find quotes that will give you a positive outlook. And I have to admit, I have my quote of the day from you today, which is create the habit of believing in yourself. Mm. But after having Seth on the podcast, I have to ask, what is your favorite quote? He was a quote guy. So, I have to know your favorite quote as well.
1: Yeah. Jim Rohn, R O H N leadership coach. Uh, Learn to work harder on yourself than you do your job. Because when you work on yourself, you can make a living. Or excuse me, when you work on your job, you can make a living. But when you work on yourself, you can make a fortune. So it's just, you know, working on your total self is, is very important to me.
2: That's a, a great quote and definitely motivational because we do have to find that balance between, you know, work and taking care of ourselves. And I think that you made such a great point when you said you take time out during the day to sort of de-stress because so often we get really caught up in just working, you know, and we don't take that time out for ourselves and we're not necessarily more productive even though we're spending more hours because we're just so stressed out with everything. How do you tell your clients or help your clients learn to take time out for themselves because it is so important?
1: Uh, I, I think the first step is the is to the have them start really really small. Um, it, you know, I'm reading uh, Tim Ferriss' new book Tool of Titans, and they had some good tips on on breathing. And you know, maybe you just start off with two or three or four mindful breaths throughout the day, and it could be at any moment. You could be in the bathroom, and you just sit and take some mindful breaths. Or as the garage door is shutting, that's your five seconds just to breathe before you go in the house. So, don't try to overwhelm yourself with a bunch more strategies. Start really slow and just then be consistent. But um, you know, I, I have, I, I I try to give these practical strategies for the individuals that I'm coaching because. You know, you can't just be about go, 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 because then your work productivity will go down. And if you want to be the most productive person, you have to look at your total self, not just your work self or your exercise self or, you know, the, the individual aspects of life. You're looking at every, your, your total, your whole piece of who you are. And, and you got to have time where you just take some breath and and de-stress whatever that means for you you know and so um i'm pretty adamant about about encouraging people to do those things
2: that's great even just the slow deep breathing for just a couple minutes a day really gets you to sort of slow down and reflect and i love that i love the actionable steps they're really great (laughs) so you do so much currently you know to work on mindset to work on movement you have the facility you did the run where do you see the future of fitness going?
1: Yeah, man, it's a. Uh, there's so much out there right now. Um, I think I think that's a positive. I do think it's a positive that there's many forms of programs to fit many different types of personalities. Um, what I what what I'm not a fan of is just kind of hodgepodge exercise and um just running people through routines just to get them sore and tired and so we have to be wise and and more intellectual with you know for sure the leaders of the of the industry we have to teach more and educate more for those young coaches who are getting into the profession in a fast world right you can know a lot in a year now with the internet and you could Go to the webin, you know, the workshops and the in the seminars, and really become a master in a shorter period of time nowadays. But that still doesn't give you that real hard experience with working with thousands on end of people. So um, it, it's making sure to take responsibility as a coach, to um, do the work, to put in the time, and to respect the giants in our industry. And that's where I think our industry will go in the right direction. If, uh, if we just think, um, we're in it for ourselves and it's just all about my program and there's no other, uh, there's no other philosophies out there. That's just such a, a pigeonholed philosophy and mindset. And I think that's where our industry goes the wrong direction. So I want to see us um i want to see us move and 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 gain that intellect and see smarter programming and uh so cuz then ideally if it's about the person that we're in front of in training they're going to get the result and and be in it for the long term
2: that's such a great point because you've done it all. You did like the bodybuilding, the running, so many different things. And I think as coaches, so often we get very like set in our ways and sometimes we don't accept new ideas or look at all the different options out there. And it's really about being open because so many different things work for so many different people. And if we can learn to appreciate all the different options out there, we can really help our clients better versus getting set in one way, one thing, thinking everything else is wrong.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, fitness is so um, just broad and, and you can learn if you're a CrossFit coach, you can learn from a, a yoga instructor and the yoga instructor can learn from the Pilates instructor and the Pilates instructor can learn from the functional strength guy. And it, it, we can learn from each other. The key is, is to keep your system, you know, pretty well intact. And, and, but but then utilize other forms of fitness accordingly, depending on who you're training.
0: So Justin, what's in the future for you? You mentioned you had a few projects and a few exciting things coming out. Anything you care to share?
1: Well, uh, now that the business system is, is running and flowing pretty efficiently, uh, I'm definitely speaking a lot more. I'm trying to uh, really evolve as a, as a motivational and and lifestyle design speaker, um, so really trying to harness that. Um, I'm writing a lot more uh, in terms of blogging and looking towards uh, the next the next publication and book. Um, and then uh, my consulting is uh, moving in the right direction too. So consulting other fitness business owners who uh, are in are in the trenches, and uh, I just have experience to to offer them and you know, hopefully give them some tools and strategies and, and also teach them things where I went wrong so then they don't have to make those same mistakes. And so I'm working with a couple coaches currently and trying to broaden that. Um, in, the, in the next year, for sure in 2018, we're putting together uh, a mentorship at our, at our academy where we're inviting people in and going through a, a couple day mentorship and workshop and teaching everything from program design of how we utilize it to lifestyle design strategies, to meditation strategies, to, um, nutritional strategies. And, you know, so getting some, some motivated fitness coaches and fitness business owners in the door to show them what we're doing. Cause that's big. And so we're going to start, uh, launching those things. Um we're working on it as we speak. I'm working with uh our manager uh, at our facility now and just working on putting together the nuts and bolts and yeah, so just kind of pursuing some other things in fitness and for anybody who's listening out there if you're a coach you you need to expand beyond just training sessions uh every single day if you truly want to make a living and um you want to you want to look beyond just the training sessions, you got to have multiple streams of revenue coming in. And so then you can continue doing what you love because you're bringing in enough money to make the business work. So, um, there is kind of a real world, uh, rawness with that, right? You can't just train sessions and expect to, you know, um, and, and expect to go to the Caribbean every, every year type thing. So you got to do some other things and pursue some other goals to really make it in the industry.
0: And that exactly sums up why we started this podcast. We wanted to help trainers that, you know, inform them there are other options besides trading your time for money. So that little blurb right there I think is fantastic information. And when you have your workshop up, we'll definitely link out to it so you can land, you know, some more people there. Now that you've given us so much great advice and tips and insight into your business, we're gonna really get to know you now with this segment we call the Fast Five Fitness Facts, where we're gonna ask you five Personal questions, and you can give us your best answer. You ready?
1: Yeah, man. Let's go.
0: So question number one, what is your favorite exercise?
1: I would say the chin-up. Believe it or not, I love doing chin-ups.
2: That is definitely a new one, and I like that answer. <laughs> what exercise do you love to hate?
1: Uh, I was reading this question, and, and to me, I don't really hate any exercises. I just hate poor application of certain exercises. So that one exercise that is in the front of my head is the old burpee because the burpee is poorly abused, uh, in many training environments. So if you're going to do the burpee, might as well make it a very explosive exercise, but most people don't do that.
0: That's a common answer, but not a common answer. Why? (laughs) And question number three, besides limitless, what is the best book you've ever read?
1: Oh, it's hard to just put to one, but uh, one of my favorites is The Leader Who Had No Title by Robin Sharma.
2: And what is your favorite pump-up song?
1: Lose Yourself, Eminem.
0: That's a classic. It's, I think that's on the classic radio stations now too, right? <laughs> oh,
1: come on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and if you could train with one person, alive or dead, who would it be and why?
1: I'm not going to lie when I say this, but uh, Lance Armstrong came up and I would love to go on a very long run with him and uh, it'd be a conversational pace and I can really uh, pick his brain regarding everything that happened in his life and his career.
0: And one more bonus, just an exclusive question. On this run with Lance Armstrong, what stretch from your 300-mile run would you choose to have that conversation?
1: Definitely from Camarillo Highway 1 to Malibu Highway 1. At 2 in the morning.
2: <laughs> At 2 in the morning, huh?
1: Because that's when, uh, that's when those demons really start arising.
2: I like it. A little motivation for that 2 a.m. run.
1: <laughs>
2: Justin, can you tell our listeners where they can find you so they can follow up and learn even more from you?
1: Sure. Uh, I have uh, definitely Facebook is kind of my, my main means of communication and networking. Uh, my, my my personal page is at its limit, so uh, going to my professional page, which is under Justin Levine, and following me there. And then uh, I also have a, a personal website, which is Vision, com. and you can learn more about everything that I'm doing over there.
0: Thanks so much, Justin.
1: Hey, thank you guys, and uh, have a great rest of the day.
0: Thanks for listening to the Fitness Hacks Podcast by Redefining Strength. For the show notes and more episodes, visit redefiningstrength.com.